Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 72, The Howling from 1981. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back. I am your host as always, Hugh Lloyd, and we are looking at The Howling from 1981. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, we're still socially distancing. We're still having to wash our hands. And remember, only go outside unless you absolutely have to. Ladies and gentlemen, before I introduce my fabulous co-host on this episode, let's check out the trailer for The Howling. We've got to make We've got to warn people. What do you see? The howling. Somewhere in this city. In this human jungle. It begins. What do you see? What's there, Karen? What do you see, Karen? What's there? Somewhere in these woods, in this primal, sensuous, secret place, lies an experience too terrifying for words. And now, all anyone can do is watch and wait. Night, I'm going to... Show you back and my very very special co-host on this episode he used to be a werewolf but he's all right no <laughs> i had to do that joke i had to i'm sorry that joke 101 it yes right. yes mr derek nelson hello derek how are you doing my friend hello <laughs> i'm very good man thank you so much no worries man no worries well it's funny times, isn't it? Funny times. Yes. And we're very... all stuck indoors, so and I think it's probably clear cabin fever is setting in at some point. So um I think we made that pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we are talking about the howling from nineteen eighty one. I was one when this came out. You were one. I was one. I was negative nine. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, thank you very much, Derek, for being on. <laughs> now, 
Um, I loved this. I saw this probably when I was way too young, as I probably with lots of these uh, older films. My father brought it back from the video shop and just put it on. I think I was about seven or eight when I watched this the first time. And it was oh, like, no. It was like, <laughs> oh, ah! no. Um, and I've had a love for it ever since. Now, of course, this was directed by the legendary, the wonderful Joe Dante. I love Joe Dante. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic. Written by, um, the screenplay was written by the, the legendary John Sayles. Um, based on a book by Gary Brandner. Now, I've got, bizarrely, we were talking before we started recording about my my collection. I've actually got the sequel to this in paperback. Um, really? Yeah, it's this, I think they call it The Return of the Howling or something. Like that. It's got an amazingly lurid cover. It's awesome. I think it's next to my bed. Was there only two books then? Um, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. I think there might have been another one because I know, like, obviously, the Howling series goes on and on. Yeah, how many of them are I there think, now? I think... Just mainline sequels because then I know there is a reboot, isn't there? Yeah, I think there's maybe six, I think. Um, I kind Jeez. of checked out after the Howling. I think it's the Howling Three, the Marsupials. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of checked out of that one. So uh, that's probably the greatest subtitle to any film oh, ever. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely right up there. Now, marsupials. Marsupials. Now you've got a little bit of experience of uh, lycanthropy. Not that you've actually suffered from it, but on-screen lycanthropy. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. How's that working out for you? Uh, it's working out. Um, I, it was really fun, actually. Um, yeah. So this is uh, a werewolf in England, which we just, well, I would say we, we're about 90% finished with it. We wow. still have to shoot the opening sequence, but obviously we're going to have to wait a little bit of time to finish that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was, uh, that was something. <laughs> it was very bloody. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> very, very bloody. I got to do... A couple of bit of like fun stunts, I'd say for it. Um, got my head chopped off. Nice. Uh, I got my arm chopped off. Um, got to do like a Evil Dead arm crawling on the ground nice. kind of sequence. That nice. was pretty sweet. Uh, busted down a lot of doors. Set fire to a building in one bit. Nice. nice. Yeah. And that was before yeah. the cameras rolled. <laughs> oh yeah sorry that, that case is penned in sorry <laughs> anyway uh, but probably the the most interesting bit that happened from it is we actually we had to break for three weeks because someone broke in and stole our werewolf heads about six days into production i shouldn't laugh but the fact that somebody stole werewolf heads is just, oh no it's, it is it's it's baffling. It is baffling because, you know, what do you do with werewolf heads? Oh, well, I'll also, I have to say this as well. Um, the platform shoes were also in the same box that got stolen. <laughs> so there's these like somewhere around, because where did you film? So we filmed in Cornwall. Right. So there's a bunch of these sort of, you know, from Cornwall. Yeah, you're right, you're right, lover. Yeah. Yeah. You're working around. Look at me, look at me with my big old shoes and my big old werewolf head. 
just lost anybody from Cornwall ever <laughs> <laughs> listening to the show. You're all right. You want a pasty, my lover? Um, what on earth would they be doing with three random heads there? I don't know. There's not an awful lot to do in Cornwall, I imagine. It's a beautiful part of the world, mind you. It was absolutely... absolutely. We went to Falmouth on our honeymoon. It was lush. It was fabulous. Oh. And Bose. I mean, right, we were... We were probably filming 12-hour days in a in a barn in a built set that we had yeah. made for the film so but this was also this was where the heads were kept and they were they went missing overnight like literally the most ridiculous random thing that could ever happen just have this vision now of this drunk farmer on his on a, on a combine harvester somewhere with a, with a giant werewolf <laughs> head just sort of just, just 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 in the night just randomly driving with his feet across his field somewhere silhouetted by a full moon <laughs> could you imagine it's, you know i got a brand new combine harvester and i'll give you the can <laughs> or so he's I'll, like I'll stop with you scarecrows and stuff yeah <laughs> somebody was just walking along with his werewolf head on just fun and platform shoes god yeah, that must have yeah. been a hell of a job to walk in them uh well exactly to be honest like so we, we got the heads back but we chose not to get the shoes back right because they were yeah and we were we found that it would have been very, very difficult with a lot of the stunts that we were doing. Yeah, yeah. It's... I mean, there was like there was bits where I was running and um, having to run and like jump over banisters and stuff and yeah. like fall off. Of, um, and to jump down a probably about a ten foot ledge onto one of the nice. other actors, and that would have been difficult in the platform shoes. Yeah. So it just, yeah, it kind of ended up being being better that we didn't use them. Well, it's like the classic, isn't it? Peter Cushing in Star Wars not wearing the boots because they killed his feet, so he had his slippers on for the rest of the time and they shot him from the waist up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Movie magic. Absolutely. This is the... Uh, you can compare this directly to Star Wars. Yes, And its production value. Absolutely, well. absolutely. <laughs> One in the same. Yeah. Hey, no, look, but it was... Um, I just made a short a film for like... Film. Three quid and a packet of crisps, so I, I get it, you know. But... I mean, looking at the stills that you have been on social media and Instagram, whatever, it looks awesome. The money, you know, clearly the money yeah. is be all the money's up on screen, and that's where you want to see. That's where you want to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the the costumes cost a, a pretty penny. Um, we knew going in that we wanted to spend. Well, you can't do a werewolf film and not have good werewolves in it, you know. You, you'd uh, be surprised. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few out there. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted to do our best to get you know get yeah. the best werewolf costumes we could get yeah uh they ended up building the set as well wow so that way we could um tear it apart yeah throughout the the production i mean literally it was just it was night and day compared to how the set looked when we started and me? how it looked when we left wow wow oh yeah uh scorch marks blood stains everywhere there was uh Holes in the wall. Um, we had a staircase that we absolutely destroyed. So by like the last couple of days, we had to put a chair in the broken staircase to climb up to get to the <laughs> second floor. Uh, lots of broken glass. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you Just, didn't. Have but that... we were able to. Yeah, go on, no go. Yeah, you, go ahead. You didn't have that moment. Well, going. we were able to turn it into a pigsty because like. Yeah. Well, that's it. You yeah. know. So you didn't have that moment where you went actually. Um, we forgot to shoot this. We need to rebuild the staircase. <laughs> oh, thank God we didn't know. I mean, luckily, like, Charlie's really good at keeping track of, like, yeah. where we are in certain bits. So yeah. 
I mean, yeah, we destroyed the staircase probably one of the during the last week, wow. and we didn't need any other shots of it. Yeah, yeah, because that's that always a moment where you go, "Oh God, oh no, yeah. oh no, no." Get it was fun. I got to take a sledgehammer to it, man. It was good fun. It's always good fun with anything that involves breaking something with a sledgehammer. Is always fun. Yeah. Now, obviously, coming back to the Howl in 1981, this is you know yes. revered. Yes. As you know, this this I think you know this this sort of came out um, around about the same time as well. It did come out the same time as American Werewolf in London. And yeah, when did American Werewolf come out? American Werewolf in London was roughly because obviously one of the big things for this was the special effects, and American Werewolf yeah. in London had. Oh my god, they're literally same year. Yeah, yeah, they're literally within months of each other. Um, but the special effects team on this was that originally Clive, um, not Clive, what's his name? Oh, my God. I can't believe I've forgotten his name. Um, and I'm going to hand my own nerd card in for this. Uh, Rick Baker. I think <laughs> Rick Baker. Rick Baker was originally oh, yeah, going yeah, yeah. to be doing the effects for the Howling. But then um, he went off to do the effects for American Werewolf in London. And he handed the effects over to this to a certain gentleman by the name of Rob Boutin. Now, uh-huh. Rob Boutin is the man behind the special effects in John Carpenter's The Thing. So the big debate has always been with this film, which transformation is better? The, the classic American werewolf transformation or the transformation in The Howling? Now, you get more transformations <laughs> in The Howling. Yeah. But that singular transformation scene in um, an American Wealth in London is just magnificent. That being said, the mm. transformation in this is, I, I think, they're a little bit more gloopy and a bit more oh, it bubbly. Is nasty. And it is a nasty transformation. It is nasty. I remember, so I, I watched it with my wife yeah who's not the biggest horror fan but yeah. i thought it would be kind of fun for both of us to watch it to yeah. be to have like those kind of two yeah. different perspectives yeah uh, and we got to the, the transformation bit and she was like oh this is gross and i was like this is this is the money shot yeah yeah this this like little sequence here is what the whole film is riding on and how good they do yeah. it and i thought man i liked it's different from american werewolf in london Yes. But I like the gruesome grotesqueness of the bubbling up. Yes. The chest bulging you know? and like and the the face bubbling and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was good and that was nasty. And yeah. I liked how they kind of um gave you like a hint to that with the arm. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A couple of scenes prior to that. Yeah. Like we'll that come, was cool. That was a really really good scene. We'll come into that. Now this has got a this film's got a great cast. It's got a superb yeah. cast to it. Um, you got D. Wallace. Interesting cast. Yeah, you got D. Mm-hmm. Wallace in this. Uh, I mean, D. Wallace. I mean, you just look at a filmography. You mean, you know, you E. T. Cujo. Uh, you know, Critters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she is. You know, she is absolutely legendary, and and she's a fabulous, fabulous actress. I love Cujo because it's not a typical role for her because she's not always mm-hmm. quite as likeable she's got 253 credits 253 credits 253 credits to her name Um, god that's mental which is you know which is a lot of experience um oh yeah yeah and i mean she did this is a fairly sort of um 
I think this role could have. I think her character in this could have been quite sort of unsympathetic and dislikable. Mm-hmm. I think she sort of, um, you know, there is that moment, you know, in this cat. You think, oh, is she a bit too whiny? Is it, you know, those kind of? But actually, she's she does make the character quite sympathetic. Um, yeah, I think it's the balance, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And then you've got uh, Patrick McNee, of course, from the Avengers, mm-hmm. John Steele himself, uh, playing Doctor George Wagner, uh, Dennis Duggan, great character actor, great character uh, actor. I did some research on him. What a career! <laughs> like, what a very oh. interesting career oh. nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's Happy Gilmore. He was he's in. Adam Sandler's go-to director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's a very, very accomplished. I think some people do give Adam Sandler's movies stick. Some of them rightly so. Uh, I, I can see how it gets that from, you know, um, his newer films. But, yeah. I mean, Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, yeah. those directed by Dennis, yeah. those are classics. Absolute, absolutely. Christopher Stone. In a different sense of how this film yeah, is classic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. You get Christopher Stone in this, uh, Belinda Baskley. Now you get the the wonderful, and I absolutely love this guy. He's Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy. Was he the, um, the head of the... Uh, the head of the... the, head head of of the, news, the, the, the like the editor for the, for the news station. He is... Literally, ed- he's got the... The cringe... The... The worst 2020 line yes. in the whole film. Yes. Yes. I had to write it down. Who knows? Maybe she's pregnant. Yeah. You're watching it and you're like, that would never fly in 2020. But no. then, so it's so interesting to watch a film from the 80s and then watch it nowadays. Oh, Because God, back yeah. then, like, oh, yeah. like I mean, that was we did, um We did an Indiana Jones and Temple Doom um episode recently. yeah yeah you were telling me yeah and there's a scene in that where indy punches a woman she accidentally punches a waitress. no that's fine no, yeah. don't worry about that one but of course kevin mccarthy was in the original invasion of the body snatchers ah, uh, nice. and of course he's in, um in a space uh one of my personal favorites is uhf with weird al yankovic uh, he's in uhf yeah 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 <laughs> He is he's made, such a weird film. Oh, it's just insane. But he's made like a, a career out of playing really sort of dislikable characters. He's a fantastic character actor. And then we can I think he was awesome in this though. Like I think he kinda he he had that balance of like he was kind of dislikable and he was a bit of but you I don't know. I didn't hate him. No, he's he's like a sort of J. Jonah Jameson kind of sort of but that's Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really, really good and then we get John um, Carradine. Analogy. Get John Carradine in this. No, John Carradine's a fucking legend. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, that's he's next level, though, isn't he? How oh, many God. credits? Over four hundred. I mean, he was in Stagecoach. He was in Stagecoach. <laughs> I mean, that is just like. I mean, that's amazing. That's John John Wayne's first film. I mean, he's you know he's done everything, everything. Four hundred, four hundred and sixty-two titles. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get Slim Pickens in this. Slim Pickens is in this. <laughs> you know, Slim Pickens. Uh, you know, all he got, blazing saddles. You know the fact. Was he the? Uh, oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. The villain, yeah. He's the you know. Oh, honestly. Oh, Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. Yes. He's the guy riding the bomb all the way down. Yeah, yeah. You know, he is. 
a tremendous actor tremendous or was and you know sadly lots of these actors are no longer with us um you know yeah. however uh, we were talking about star trek earlier mm-hmm. which uh star trek alum is in this no way the yeah. doctor yeah yeah um robert uh, picardo is eddie quist in this the serial killer and of course he went on to play the hologrammatic uh doctor in voyager in voyager yeah. voyager yeah. oh yeah. no way yeah and then you get elizabeth Wait, he's, in this yeah he's the guy like he's in eddie the beginning quist. yeah and he's the one that you know at the end where they throw the acid in his face and he's all like melted and then he's like hands the gun back. It's just he's he's super. He's amazing. got the big transformation that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. I can't. God, he must have been. That's I didn't notice him at all. Yeah, because he looks so different. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Generally, when you try to well, younger, the wolf, sorry, yeah. younger. <laughs> now this um, the, the plot. I mean, the plot for this is you've got this. Uh, news anchor woman who is being stalked or manages to get embroiled in tracking down a serial killer. Um, and she goes to, the, you know, at, and at the beginning we get the whole moment where she enters um, um, an adult snuggling theatre, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a, and she enters one of those booths thing and he stood behind her. Um, and of course he is shot and she suffers some sort of trauma to this. And then the the, the psychiatrist who's plugging his book, played by Patrick McGee, uh, McNee in this, uh, suggests that she goes to the retreat. And but she doesn't invite anybody, not just anybody. No, 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 no. It's it's a special a, invitation. Special invitation. So nice. And uh, she goes along with her husband, and then hilarity ensues. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I will say, though, uh, I think it's a very, very interesting setup for this film. Oh, absolutely. And I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's quite unique uh, in that sense. And um, I've, especially now that you're describing the opening in depth, that, I mean, that could have been the whole first act of the film. And that's oh, the whole first five, ten minutes, not even. Absolutely. Like, that's a whole movie in it of itself. Yeah. And, it's just, and, it, and this is, I think it's about an hour and 34 this film and it it there's a lot crammed into this there's a lot of character yeah. development in this um yeah and you get some great characters in this um uh, and everybody is really quirky and you get to meet them at the barbecue scene yeah i love the it. barbecue scene that's like perfect yeah and it's like the most bizarre collection of people that you would find on like one of these like sort of retreat sort of places the colony where you know yeah. you've got John Carradine's sort of manic depressive, uh, I suppose, you know. he opens the whole sequence, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, well, essentially he's howling. I at love the that. Yeah, such a good opening to the sequence. And you got the blue grass band playing, you know, playing on the stage, <laughs> and you know you got it's like the strangest group of people thrown together. But what you've got is yeah. all these great character actors playing all these these wonderful quirky roles. And you get that sort of... Um, we get to meet um, Marsha Quist, his character, mm-hmm. the nymphomaniac. And Yeah, I mean, I called her arc, like, from the beginning. Oh, absolutely. And her brother, um, who is there in his, like, wolf skin, like, cut off. And already yeah. you're just thinking, 
okay, there's something not quite right. And there's a brilliant moment where they're all out hunting together and they describe yeah. him as, and he's the only one without a gun and he's like tracking tracking whatever you know what they think is a wolf to the, and, it, and they, they describe it that guy's like a like a bloodhound as yeah, he's like yeah. run, running through the woods it's absolutely wonderful and like i will say it's not it's it's in some regards not the subtlest of films oh, and no. it can be quite easy to predict yes it is and i th- but what i love about it it is and you get some great cameos in this uh, Roger Corman pops up in it um, at the in the beginning scene where you know the guy uh, where she's in the phone box. Yeah, she's in the phone box and she's talking, and the guy waiting outside, and then he goes in. That's Roger Corman. Uh, wow. Yeah, he pops. Yeah, so like that line, she was like, "Oh, I think it might be him." There's a guy waiting outside. Like it might yeah, be yeah. him. It's Roger Corman. Because, oh, because, wicked. And, and I mean, the big relationship between um, Joe Dante is, you know, and like with Roger Corman is he gave Dante his big break. Um, mm-hmm. He worked, you know, did, did a lot of work with him as, as well as John Sales. John Sales did a lot of um, Corman's pictures. Um, there are some absolute brilliant moments in this. Did you spot the guy? Uh, there's a, there's a, a um, Corman regular plays the bookstore owner is the great character. Oh, I, I literally made a note about that guy. That guy was amazing. Dick Miller. He was so good. I said, librarian is the best. Dick I know Miller. he wasn't a, a librarian, but yeah, yeah. he was amazing. Dick Miller is a great character actor. Sadly passed away in 2019. Um, mm. And I mean, he has been in every... I mean, he's the gun store owner in Terminator. In the first Terminator. Really? Yeah. Um, he's in Gremlins. He's Marty Futterman in Gremlins. Um, he's in the Burbs. Um, oh. He's an apps. You know, he was in the the Hole, um, which is another yeah. Joe Dante film. He's in. He, you know, he's a big. You know, he worked a lot with Dante and um, and Roger Corman. He's an absolutely superb character actor. Sadly missed. Yeah, I mean, he's in Chopping he, Mall. He, he. Oh wow. He um. He really. He does that fine line of like standing out, but not too much to take away from the scene yeah. or the other actors in the scene, but giving so much to the film. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, like he, his presence. And I know it's, it's a scene, but yeah. well, kind of, he's got like one and a half scenes, doesn't he? Technically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he stands out so much and that's why he, he adds so much to that film was, in five minutes. of screen, Absolutely. And I think it's a real genuine case of no small parts, great character acting, yeah investing in yeah. the character and it, it's all there and he's he's he just he's absolutely superb now there is another cameo in this did you spot it in the bookstore dick miller uh, goes over no. and he tells him he says you know there's a guy playing with tarot cards and he says go. yeah yeah i remember that guy in his hand did you spot what two comic books he had in his hand no what did he have he had famous monsters in his hand now, that okay, person, what's that? Famous Monsters was obviously the famous, uh, is a like a mag- fan magazine, uh, written and created yeah. by Forrest J. Ackerman. And Forrest J. Ackerman, okay. uh, yeah, he essentially is carrying his own famous monsters magazine around with him in there. That is a deep cut, my friend. And that I, is a deep cut. And I only noticed that, uh, when I was re watching it, and I was actually sort of like, because I'm juggling a few things I was actually watching this in the bath yeah it's a lovely image for everybody there. <laughs> uh, 
just imagine me with, with with my pearls on and bubbles looking like Jar Jar Gabor watching <laughs> oh, the hurricane. Yeah. And I was in the bath and I actually went, oh, that's, um, oh, um, fuck shit. What's his name? Um, oh, that's, that's, that, that's fucking, it, Forrest J. Ackerman. I was like, yes. And again, greatest moment of my life. Nobody around. But nope. uh, <laughs> nobody around. But yeah, you know, so he's, you know, he pops up in it and it's like, all these influences are seen, you know, are here on screen. And like one of the other yeah. things that I love about this, there's references to wolves pretty much from the second that you get to the colony. There's a reference to a wolf in pretty much every single scene as you go through. And my favourite one, and it still makes me laugh, is when the um, when the reporter friend, what was her name? Um. Oh no. Oh, the her friend. Uh, yes. Terry. Terry. Yes, that's it. When the uh, Belinda Balaski. Um, that's a great name, isn't it? Belinda Balaski. Oh, it's amazing. Just uh, amazing. Um, when she's in. She's, yes, and she's like phoning up, and she phones the police, and like she phones her boyfriend, and then he phones the local police, and he got slim pickings there, and he's he, he sat with his feet up on the desk, and he's got his cowboy hat on, and in front of him is a can. Of wolf chili, just, just really, it's a pink can, like a purpley pink can, turned around facing the screen. It's called yeah, wolf yeah, chili, yeah. and he's just and he's watching a cartoon. There's a Looney Tunes cartoon that he's watching of the big bad wolf of the three little yes. kids. Big bad wolf, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was like, hmm, that's subtle. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it, there are loads of these moments, and I love the and you know, Joe Dante is known for his love of Looney Tunes and those kind of things. So it's like, mm. oh, it's just, and it's, it, this film is rammed, absolutely rammed full of those references. It is just, it is, it's a joy. It's an absolute joy. And I think that's one of the things that people kind of miss, I think, on first, when, when this was released. I think when it was initially mm-hmm. released, I think people miss lots of those moments in it. And I think it's only yeah. when you get to sit down and rewatch it and sort of really geek out on it, you get to sort of watch those maybe that's why it's gotten the um gotten to the status that it is now yeah yeah now obviously this first time you saw this yeah first time what's your what were your initial thoughts when you got into this uh well like i kind of mentioned earlier i i thought it had a a very interesting setup yeah you know um i didn't realize that this and uh American Werewolf in London were the action, the same year. Yeah. So it is kind of cool that you have these two um, werewolf films that have such drastically different premises. Um, yeah. I thought parts of it were a little predictable. Yeah. 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 You know, like, like I definitely called the whole thing on um, the doc yeah. being the main werewolf. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I mean, I assume we're allowed to spoil oh, things. Oh God! Look, this film was released in 1981, yeah. and if you're listening to a podcast yeah. about the Howling, <laughs> yeah. pause it now and then um, go watch the Howling. There we are, covered. <laughs> but you know, and then like, like I called the whole thing with like Marsha is gonna turn into a werewolf and be a seductive werewolf, and and all of that. Like, um, out of on I screen, will say, yeah, go on. No, go on. Uh, I love the practical effects in it. Yeah. I thought, uh, I loved the way the werewolf mouth moved. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I loved the shots of it being on the hind leg and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, if I'm getting real nitpicky, 
I didn't like the backlighting that they put on it because I felt like the the hairs on the head yeah. were were a bit weird yeah. sometimes, you yeah. know. So I kind of missed like the 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 good werewolf eyes that they had, but I thought overall the costume was amazing. Yeah, arm chopping off it was great. Even some of the weird computery effects, like yeah. when uh, Marsha and the husband yeah. have werewolf sex. That like, is I a bizarre that scene. Was kind of it's is, bizarre, but it's kind of it's kind of cool still. Like, yeah. and it still holds up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought overall, I think I was saying like about for me a three out of five. Nice, nice. Now, yeah, this was made mm-hmm. on a budget of one point five million, which insane, and went on to grow seventeen point nine million incredible which is you know and if you think you know that's a lot of money um i wouldn't want to, you know if you try to translate that in like inflation these days these days that's a hit that's a unbridled success yeah back then yeah massive yeah I absolutely absolutely now but then so what what i think of as well with that so one million that's a lot that's a lot of coin yeah like you and me, we would kill for that budget, wouldn't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I think what we have to remember as well is back in 1981. Yeah. So they were filming it, I mean, probably, what, 1980, yeah? Yeah. Let's just say. Yeah. That million does not stretch as far oh, God, as no. we would think. No, no. So, like, film, film reel, that was so expensive. That's a massive cost that we don't have to deal with today. No. All of the equipment, probably so, and it's trickier and more, Well, you think about the, like, just the a practical, million. The practical effects. Just, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, these these are, comp- Rob Bottin is a genius. Rob Bottin is an absolute, and I've said this before, he's an absolute genius. Um, mm-hmm. And those effects are complex, and, and they, good and, and yeah really good and if they don't go well if it doesn't work or something goes wrong somebody doesn't capture it right like reset it and like that's you talk you're talking hours hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours to get that one and it's shot. not it's not just like like putting your your ssd or your sd card into the computer nope. uh dumping all the footage onto a hard drive and then re-putting it back in your camera yeah. that's like expensive film you just wasted yeah, well, I mean, I think people do forget that now in the digital age, and I think that was, and that's that's something that sort of always asked, you know, people sort of talk about with digital filmmaking is everybody can go, well, goes ahead and sort of just shoots, and they shoot they shoot tons and tons and tons of tons of footage, but should they be shooting that amount of footage? Because how much of it is usable? But because you don't have mm. to, you know, I think. But what people shooting on film, and I would never ever ever have the balls to shoot anything on film because once oh, no. terrifying. once that's gone that's gone you can't just, mm-hmm. uh, just delete that's gone that's it it is done and dusted and to have that you know 1.5 million to have those but that, that those effects on that budget that's insane dude insane it is you know it is just crazy and i mean even the, like the simpler effects and i say simpler effects you think about this which is a brilliant scene is the scene where terry's character is do it gets to the colony and is investigating and then realizes that eddie's in you know somebody's in the house with her uh, mm-hmm. and it's the brothers in the house and he's transformed and he's trying to get after her and she gets out and she it's, and the tent the build-up to that 
is wonderful and the reveal of everything is just is superb and the bit where she yeah. cuts his arm off with the axe i mean that's that was a crazy good practical effect yeah yeah and I'm, I'm watching i'm like okay did they reverse like how did they get that the arm to bubble up and then yeah as you're watching it as well you're like What's going on? Is the arm going to disintegrate? No, it turns back into a human arm. Yeah, yeah. How cool was that? And it and it's there. It's there. It's it, and it's like and it's not just like a false arm. It's an arm. It looks. It, it it's a real and the hair and everything. The detail. It's it's absolutely superb. And what I love about this, it does hold up in HD as well. It holds up yeah. really, really well because sometimes some transfers don't. Because it does show mm-hmm. up the limitations of what the, what the filmmaker was working with, and that's why there I think there are certain yeah. sort of particularly more like the sort of um, you know you look at some of like some of the Italian horror and the Euro horror that is particularly excessively gory, or like Jess Franco's movies. You know the reason why they work really really well on VHS and still work really well on VHS is that they're gritty and they're grimy. When everything is cleaned yeah. up, it doesn't have the same. It doesn't have the same impact. It doesn't have the same feel. But but the effects here absolutely do. Absolutely do. Um, my, my wife literally thought that... So, like, the big transformation with, uh, with the doctor from Voyager. Yes. Love that. <laughs> uh, my wife thought that it was... So, like, when his face is bubbling and stuff yeah. in the beginning stages of the transformation, she was like, oh, that's some really good computer effects for back then. <laughs> and I was like... Um, that ain't no computer no, effects. No, 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 no. We saw you what know, computer effects like, look like in Tron. <laughs> a bit different than that. Yes. Uh, but she was like, so she was completely fooled yeah. by how good the practical effects were looking. I mean, Boutine is an absolute genius. And I think he's rightly, rightly a um, held up as a genius. Now, what I love about this film as well is that on the surface of it, you get a bit of a rip roaring uh, creature feature, um, but actually, it's 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 a lot cleverer than that. And John Sayles' writing mm. um, is um, is very very clever because what we get actually is a real comment on um, particularly about uh, I think it's about male masculinity. It is there's a lot mm-hmm. there, there, there's a really really you know with um, the boyfriend character um, who is clearly um, feeling quite sort of emasculated and sort of uh, maybe feeling quite a little bit of resentment towards um, D. Wallace, Wallace, his character, her character, his his partner, because she's clearly the success. And he is sort of always playing second fiddle and always wanting to sort of protect and but he's not quite able to do that. And there's that sort of this this idea that he he's the first one to be recruited, because actually you know it's that idea of that sort of reclaiming masculinity, re- going back to nature. And you get like mm-hmm. um, there's a brilliant moment in the with uh, one of the other characters, um, Donna, when she's talking. Is this where they're having the picnic? Yeah, no, and, and no. They're, they're talking about the sort of. Donna talks about the different therapies that she tried. And she talks about primal gotcha. scream therapy and drumming and all these different to try and control the inner beast. But actually, they're all talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. letting out the inner beast and all those type of things. And what's interesting is there's that scene where 
um, the character Bill dead when he gets into an argument with Dee Wallace, where he slaps her, where he hits her. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, that, it's like that moment where it's like, ah, here it is. He's now, he's, he, he's just completely tipped over the other side of it, where he has yeah. become that beast. And he, you know, he's not, you know, it's really funny because you, you get that shot at the beginning of their apartment, of their house, and you see all of his pictures. Uh, and you get like all his trophies, his trophies on the wall, and then you can see him in his pro. And it, you know, is it a Packers uniform he's got on? I think he's wearing. Um, a green, I, I can't remember. I didn't, green and gold. So I think it was. It was. Uh, he. It looked like he was a high school. Yeah, he's got he's, like a high school football. Yeah. Sport. What I got was that like he kind of peaked. Yeah. At a younger age. Yeah, and he sort of now runs a couple. You know? Of, you know, he's got a couple of health clubs and those kind of things, and he feels second fiddle. Yeah. You know, and so that, you know, it, it tackles that idea and it tackles that idea of sort of, and John Carradine's character says at the end, you can't tame what's wild. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing was that they're all trying to sort of, um, Patrick McNeese, McNeese doctor is trying to sort of help them blend into society and those kind of, but you can't sort of, it's a, it's so clever. It's so well done. It's that sort of real sort of. I loved them um, also very small moment, but at the end. So like after she does her, um, after D Wallace does her whole like final news yeah. uh, broadcast. Yeah. Um, and then you're going to like, he's doing the, the shot at the bar. Yeah. And like everybody's been watching it. And then, so I, I can't remember exactly what they said, but it was something like one guy is saying, Oh yeah, um, you know, like all these werewolves and stuff like that was real. That was crazy. And then one dude's like, "Special effects, man, they're so good these yeah, days." And yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Nope, that was real. And then they go back to like eating their food. Yeah. And then you have a guy who's like, "I get, you know, a, a rare steak and a and a burger for yeah. my friend here. How do you want your burger? Oh, I want it, you know, blue or rare. Or rare. Whatever. I, like, I thought yeah, that was rare. such an inter- yeah. I thought that was such an interesting way of being like everyone in the country or in this especially this area, yeah. just watched her transform and get shot. Yeah. Like, there is your proof. And yeah. people still don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's there in front. It, well, actually, you know, thinking about it, and it's sort of in this age of fake news. Uh, God, yeah. They, and, you know, people say, you know, you're not, you, you can't trust the mainstream media and everything else. This woman quite literally, at the end of it, transforms into a werewolf live on screen and then is shot on screen and people go nah nah it didn't happen didn't happen special effects these days are so good nah nah and things they do for ratings and it's like oh my god and it's like you've got the kids in the bedroom watching that watching that watching it and the parents are going what are you watching they're going oh the news and actually they're watching the news and again it's a comment on the idea of like it's okay to watch violence if it's on Mm -hmm. the news it's educational mm-hmm. violence. But if you watch violence in a film, that's terrible. But yet, yeah, you know, and like, obviously, you know, you think about the films that were made in the late 70s, early 80s, um, you know, and you've got a country still coming to terms with, you know, with war, with the after effects of the Vietnam yeah. War. And for the first time that, you know, live footage of death and destruction is being beamed directly into people's living rooms. Mm-hmm. But... There are still people that, ah, it's not real. It's not real. But it's okay to watch it because it's on the news. But you can't watch yeah. it in a film. You can't watch it. It's, you know, it's a, you know John Sayles. I thought that was, a, that was really, really interesting. And a, good, and a good way to end the film as well. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that does kind of, 
in terms of all the transformations, mm-hmm. I think her find that final shot of her, she does look more like she does Didn't look like, like it, dude. she looks like a Pomeranian. Yep, I did not like there's that. Hardly, that was rough. There's hardly Wolfie. She does kind of sort of you half expect. She, I, was, I was literally thinking, oh. Did you ever watch Spider Man and His Amazing Friends? No, was that one of the the cartoons? The cartoons. With Iceman no, and Firestar. No, see, I was, a, I was the 90s Spider-Man kid. Well, Firestar had a character, had a little dog called Miss Lion. <laughs> and it had a uh-huh. little, it, it was like a little Pomeranian type thing, but it had like a little red bow on the top of its head. Kind, oh, she kind of looked a bit like Miss Lion. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It, it, just, it wasn't uh, threatening or scary, was it? No, no, no. And I mean, even though the transformations in this are painful, the sound of like the bones... Yeah, 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 but then it kind of undid it a little bit, but it did pull it back. Um, where you do get her at the end of the bar, where she's yeah. clearly, you know, because that end scene, that whole final sequence or sequences is really, really good. Where you know, yeah, although I do felt it was a bit rushed, yeah, yeah, I think you got, I get that. So, like, where, where Dennis shows up at the um. Uh, at the complex or yeah, at the retreat, yeah. and then basically just I loved I loved when he goes and grabs the silver bullets, and he's like, "Oh, just, just what bill, is he me. Send bill, bill me, bill me, <laughs> yeah, yeah." I thought that was awesome, um, <coughs> but like he just kind of rocks up and then just starts mowing down werewolves. Um, I, I, I felt like it was just a bit rushed. Yeah, I get that, and I that barn went up in flames quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, what I loved the, the moment with like I wanted more of a scene in the barn. Yeah, you know, yeah. with the doctor, with with everybody turning on him and yeah. kind of understanding like because I feel like the doctor we did lose a little bit of his story arc through Dennis and Belinda's B story. Yes, like I think, it, it kind I think of that scene de- derails him a little end, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if they would have spent more time with the doctor, then that scene at the end where basically. Uh, the rest of the colony take over from him could have yeah. been a little bit more impactful. Yeah, and it's like this sort of, it's the pack. You, you get, you, yeah. We could have got a bit more of the pack mentality because obviously yeah. the doctor's the alpha, and then there's a new alpha within the pack, sort of rising and and sort of to change it mm-hmm. on him. Um, mm-hmm. But that sort of moment where um, he shows up and he, he starts, you know, the one guy he, he says silver bullets, yeah, and he shoots him. And it's the look of shock and surprise on his face. It's like, oh, yeah, like I, I loved that. Hits, yeah. I loved all the action in it and stuff. Like that was wicked, wasn't it? And like, and when they're driving, you know, Slim Pickens is waiting for them um, at the end of the at the end of the road, but he's still ch- he's still transforming, and but yet he's still using a shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> he's still using his shotgun, and then they're all around them. They're in, in the car. That was quite a cool moment. Yeah. And they're scratching on the wall. That was really, back. really cool. Although, like, I'm watching that. And so literally with, with Slim Pickens, like, he busts the window in two seconds, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. And then at when they're in the cop car, like, they're all surrounding, but they're not busting the windows. No, they're all, like, sort of little, little scratch. Scratching, yeah. Scratching so it's like, what? But that's, like, one of those movie things that you kind of just accept. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you just really can't really nitpick that. Like, no, no it's like we can um, afford one window pane. <laughs> yeah. But it, it built the tension having them not like bust absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and you kind of you realize that. Um, I, one thing I did like as well, I like that it was they they had their own because 
with werewolf films, with vampire films. Yeah. Um, every film has their own mythology. Yeah, absolutely. And I liked that the mythology in this was, which was beautifully set up by the bookstore owner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was they could change any time they wanted. It yeah. wasn't, I, I thought that was cool. He's like, they're actually not werewolves. They're skin, skinwalkers. Yeah. I mean, you they, know, more skin. Yeah, skinwalkers, skinwalkers, which is sort of um, a Native American uh, yeah. tradition. Yeah. That's sort of, uh, which is a really interesting, really, really good take on it. Because I do think sometimes I think some of the issues with with the with the wolf man and the way you know the werewolf is it is tightly bound by its own mythos that they can has to be a full moon. They're allergic to or their weakness is silver. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it does sort of like tie it down a little bit. It does really tie it down there. So it's like so, but it's nice the fact that they were able to do that. Um, But the one scene for me that really really stands out and it's only a small scene in this is where they they arrive at the colony and they've got mm-hmm. the you know they're um they're just sort of you know you've got their um you've got the like the party going on in there and then you've got john carradine's character who decides that he's going to end it all yeah yeah and it's like he's going to throw himself onto the fire to end it mm-hmm. which is like that's a pretty big statement to make that's a yeah. pretty, and, and but it, but in it, but everybody's like, oh no, 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 he's just doing it for attention. But the looks and all the people around him is absolutely the, the acting, the, the moment between everybody in that scene is is really, really well tied in. And I, I really, and I'm a big John Carradine fan anyway. So, but I love the fact that he was able to do that. They were able to interesting that foreshadowing moment. as well. Oh yeah, completely, completely. Didn't even realize that until just now. Yeah. That's quite clever. And it's like that moment as well where he sort of. Where he, at the end, he's got him at the where he's this sort of restrained, almost sort of broken old man. Where at the end, he's like, ah, fuck it, let's go back to the old ways and let's eat everyone. Oh my god, he went mental there. Yeah. I, love, <laughs> I love that. But you get the you know pun the you know the, the pun intended the day and the night, isn't it? The moment. Yeah. It's that sort yeah. Of like, yeah. You know, we're not going to be tied down. And I love the title of uh, the Doctor's book. Do you get the title of the book? No. What was the title of the book? The Gift. Hmm. And like, well, yeah, because well, didn't he say that as well? He said this is a gift. Yeah. Some, or he said that. Yeah, in, he does. In yeah, he does. His yeah. final bit. Yeah, he does. And it's like, if you think about all like this, lots of the self-help books that come out there. You got the, you know, um, oh, is it what's the the secret? Uh, oh yeah. You got the yeah. secret. You got this, and then you've got now the gift, and the gift yeah. is sort of, you know, it's it, it's sort of harnessing your primal energy. It's that kind of like. Uh, and I'm sure you know somewhere somebody has probably like bottle you know has used that to sort of um, create their own self help course. You know, yeah. it's like uh, it's like Tom Cruise in Magnolia as the as the self help guru is that sort of primal energy kind of uh, kind yeah, of which, yeah. which I thought was really really cool. Any sequences apart from the transit the transformation stand out for you? Yes, uh, I have to tell you my favorite. This is probably my favorite bit in the whole film. Yeah. It's close to, it's in that kind of, that whole section of the film where the transformation takes place, but it's a single shot, and I thought it was the coolest, um, scariest as well, and just, I mean, the best bit in the film. Yeah. It's where uh, Belinda Belaski, I just yeah. want to say her name Keep more. Her name, yeah. <laughs> Uh, she she gets into the doctor's office, yeah. yeah, and she's found the files. She's going through the files, 
Yeah. And then very calmly, the werewolf arm grabs it. Yeah. It's just yeah. the arm in the Yes. I mean, my wife jumped. I even got a bit, ooh. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I don't, well, I don't know why, but it was just so memorable. The way, and it's such a simple bit, but like the way that her arm just kind of, it was the best hand acting I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. The way it just comes and says, nope, I'll have that. But there's <laughs> and no, then like, it pans no, up in your life. Yeah, yeah. Oof. But there's no like big sort of like, if you think about like now, lots of lots of horror does rely at the moment. Um, it's a trend that people haven't quite got away from yet is the big jump scare. And I mean, get, that was a jump scare, but it wasn't a jump did, scare like they are now. You didn't have the... Actually, exactly. what this was, was just that moment of that hand reaching over and I don't even know why I'm doing the hand thing because it's obviously a podcast you can't I see did it too yeah and, sorry. and you see <laughs> the hand that. and the nail and it's just the, and the dexterity of it just goes yoink and it's like <gasps> and then because isn't I'm pretty sure directly after that is the first big full reveal yes yeah 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 where you finally like and it's and it's not like a quick cutaway shot no, it's no. like the shot where you find where they show off yeah and then what you get is actually what the Howling did really, really well. It kind of sets the trend for the man-style werewolf. So, oh, okay. you know, where you get them standing up and the, you get the sort of like, you get like almost, you, you see them again in Dog Soldiers. I was going to say, it seemed like Dog Soldiers took yeah. a lot of inspiration for their designs yeah. based on these ones. And like, um, this is what, you know, and this is where, the, you know, the idea of, because even an American werewolf, that's a wolf. It's still very much wolfy, isn't it? It's yeah. all it's on all fours. Yeah, it's yeah. where these are on two legs, standing. You know that is the that's the moment in this, and it's absolute. It, you know, the design is brilliant, and they still stick to the Corman rules of keeping your monster in the dark. Yeah, because um, Corman, you know, Roger Corman is one of my heroes, and what I love about Roger Corman is he he had a, he's got a wonderful formula to his films. You know, he would never reveal the full monster until right at the end. Mm-hmm. And the reason being that you reveal the monster right at the end is because usually the budget wasn't enough to cover and make it look spectacular. But you've invested yeah. the best part of like an hour and a half. And for the last five minutes, you get the rubber turnipy monster showing up, you know. or you know, And the yeah. fact that he also worked out the length of formula for the amount of nudity in a film. The length of time, yeah. time something, will be the the exact number of boobs that you should show in a film to cut well, to keep as, it interesting. As soon as Marcia showed up, I literally was like, "She's the one." Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yep. And and then, sure enough, you know, twenty minutes later, yeah, there they were. Um, this, you know, um, obviously this came out in the eighties. There was a bit of a run on um, werewolf movies because another great one that came up roughly about the same time was Wolfen. Which is a great film. It's insane. Is that the one with Jack Nicholson? No, that's Wolf. No. Okay. That's Wolf. Cool. Sorry. Uh, Wolfen had um, Albert Finney. Albert Finney is in Wolf, and it's great, great film. Came out around about the same time, so there was a bit of a run of werewolf movies. Um, yeah. At this one, but it is just a great. Um, this is the Howling is a great one, and I think it's right up there with American Werewolf in London. Um, and I think I do still prefer the transformation in American Werewolf in London. But I do love the, love this film. I think it is an absolutely superb film. Absolutely superb. Yeah, there, I think my one my one issue with the um, transformation in this film, I thought it went on just a little too long. Yes, it does go on. It, you do think, wow, she could have run by now. 
Yeah, why is she not running? There <laughs> yeah. was it was just a couple beats to because, like like I mentioned earlier, that's your that's them getting a chance to show off. Oh yeah, I mean, and to to write like that was very very impressive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just. It, it almost affected the story a little bit by going on as long as it did. It sh- they should have just yeah. cut it, you know, a couple of beats earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, here we go. Scores on the doors time. Out of 10, where would we land the Howling from 1981? Right. So I would say probably a 7 out of 10 for me. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I was... I. I just because of the nostalgia and I'm a ridiculous big Joe Dante fan I'm a 7.5 I am a 7.5 yeah there are some days I could probably watch it and go oh, maybe it's a maybe it's a 7 because I think there are issues with it um, and like you said the transformation does it's great but it does go on a little bit there is a bit of a mm-hmm. lull in the middle of it um, but for the fact that you know there's like you know Forrest J. Ackerman pops up in it that's like that's what tips it over for me just that, just that, that moment of going, me sat the both going, oh, 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 my God. Oh my, and I, you know, the fact that I hadn't twigged, and I've seen this, you know, maybe eight times in the past. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm not yeah, it's yeah. just blindly washing over me. But yeah, no, yeah. it's a 7.5. Now, my friend, we've, you know, we've talked for well over an hour. Well, we've talked for longer <laughs> than that, actually, on this about the howling. So, remind our good listeners where they can see you coming up. Because you've got a few things coming up recently, coming out soon. Uh, uh, yeah, so I think the first one out is, um, in for this country, is The Cabin Murders. That's yeah. the next one out, with, uh, with Andrew Jones directing that one again. And then there's Jonestown Haunting. Yeah. Uh, so, Cabin Murders, I think, is in April, end of this month. Wow. Um, Jonestown Haunting is, uh, I think, next month. A Killer Next Door is in the summer. Nice. As well as Haunting of Margam Castle in the summer as well. And then you got Vampire Virus and uh, A Werewolf in England with Charlie Steeds, which uh, don't have release dates yet, but they're looking to come out this year. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, so there's, there's a couple coming. Yeah. Busy. <laughs> <laughs> or, or not at the moment so we're all just sat well through. it was was it was it was busy i could imagine <laughs> it, you know, just sort of like just went from one to the other that must have been insane schedule yeah that. that must have been insane yeah and then and then some hopefully when all this is done is uh some fun projects in the well, pipeline maybe there's a few things who knows who knows yeah. uh, so if you know you know if anybody's listening here and just wants to sort of uh you know Tap me up on the, on uh, social media and we'll have a conversation. I'm sure we can find something that we yes. uh, that we can have a talk about. Yes, yes. Derek, my friend, thank you so much for being on. It's been so much fun. Honestly. Yeah, same as well. Uh, again, thank you for having me back um, for showing me this amazing film. No, no worries. Yeah, it was great. No yeah. It was great. You take care, my friend. Enjoy the rest it of your fun. day. Thank you. You as well. And you. 
once again, I want to say a huge thank you to um, Derek for being on. Honestly, it's always a pleasure. Such a great co-host. And you can, don't forget, you can check Derek's work out. You can go and see him in The Curse of Halloween Jack. You can see him in the upcoming The Utah Cabin Murders. Um, he appears in, he's also in The Manson Family Massacre. He's got uh, uh, Vampire Viruses due out. You've got A Werewolf in England due out. Um He's got Pandemonium coming out. So he's got a lot out there. So you can go and check him out. Um, and of course, he's appeared in a number of um, uh, Undead Wookiee alumni, Andrew Jones's movies as well. So you can go and check out those guys and support indie horror. And you can support uh, particularly Welsh filmmaking as well. So go and check out those guys' work. As always, thank you, Derek, man. I know you're really, really busy and I really, really appreciate you being on. Okay, up next we have got... What the Wookiee Watched. And we're going to look at Cursed Films, which is a Shudder documentary. It's now available on Shudder um, from 2020. Let's go check out the trailer. We hear a lot about cursed films around horror productions. Crazy things that happen on the set of The Exorcist, or The Omen, or Poltergeist. When you're working intensively on a project, and something really anomalous occurs, it's tempting to say this project feels cursed. There was all of this information about the movie being cursed. And then you enter the internet into that and forget about it. There are rumors that they used real skeletons from India and it led to a curse. If you need skeletons to come out of a muddy pool, what do you do? Well, get some real ones, I guess. Our brains are designed to believe all sorts of things, whether they're poltergeists. There was a moment during production when their sets caught fire. Aliens and conspiracies. Gregory Peck was supposed to be on a flight that he canceled. The plane crashed and killed everyone on board. Angels and demons. The Antichrist would do everything not to have this picture made. For me, that was in one ear and out the other. It was the last night of shooting. It was the final scene with the rescue of the two children. Things are getting too close to the helicopter. And I turned around, I said, run. They do the shot, and then he drops down, and he didn't get up. I think it's easier for people to try to come up with some kind of conspiracy theory that helps justify why this person is suddenly gone. There has to be a reason for something terrible happening. That's the crux of all this cursed thinking. I think we bring on our own curses upon us. Otherwise, you have to believe that there are really demonic forces out there. Okay, that was the trailer for Cursed Films, uh, the Shudder documentary from 2020. Um, it was written and directed by Jay Shield. And what this follows is a five-part um, series about and looking at notoriously cursed film productions. So you get The Exorcist, you get The, the Omen, you get Poltergeist, you get a look at The Crow... Um, you get the omen in there. Um, this is uh, it's, it's it's a really really interesting documentary, um, and you get some some great little moments from sort of people who worked on those films. And but actually, for me, what's really interesting it is the it it sort of delves nicely into the exploration of what is a curse, and just frame that within the context of cinema. And is it a case of self fulfilling prophecy, or is it a case of 
curses be real. It's it's a really, really interesting look. It does dip in certain parts of it. Um, and... There's lots of information that if you're familiar with cinema that you're not go- that you're going to know. Um, I don't think there's any massive great revelations within this. Um, is it as good as the previous Shudder documentary Horror Noir? Um, I don't think not. I don't think it's quite there. I don't think it's on the same level, but it's very very good. Um, and I would certainly recommend you watching this if you have Shudder. And I would give this a seven out of ten. Okay, up next on What the Wookiee Watched, we have got Funhouse. Let's check out the trailer. <laughs> Who will dare to face the challenge of the monster? Who is mad enough to enter that world of darkness? Something is alive in the Funhouse. Something not alive like its father. Something better dead. Something that has the form of a human, but not the face. This better be good. It's gonna be great. Something that feeds off the flesh and blood of young innocents. Something that tonight will turn the funhouse into a carnival of terror. Pictures. The Fun House. It's a carnival of terror from Toby Hooper, the director who terrified you with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, that was the trailer from Toby Hooper's 1981 The Fun House. Of course, like I just said, it was directed by Toby Hooper. It was written by uh, Lawrence J. Block. Um, it's got the makeup effects done by Rick Baker. Um, this is a interesting film. Um, I think this is a bit of a Marmite horror film. I think there are some people who absolutely love it. I think there are some people who, um, are are not too keen on it. I think that, you know, is it perfect? I don't think it is. Um, however, there's something really interesting about this. And what we've got here is a group of teenagers who sneak into a carnival uh, fun house after hours for a little bit of hanky panky. I just used the word hanky panky. I'm I'm sorry about that. Um, but um, it stars Elizabeth Berridge, uh, Sean Carson, Janine Austin, the wonderful um, Kevin Conway who plays multiple roles in this. Um, David Carson plays Geek. Miles Chapin plays Richie Attenborough. Largo Woodruff is in this, and Cooper Huckabee. Now, this is a film that uh, has some really, really wonderful dark comic moments to it. Uh, There's a great sort of moment where you get a a group of the carnies all stood around, um, and you kind of get a hint of where um, the Frankenstein monster, the uh, sort of deformed son of uh, Kevin Conroy's uh, character comes from. Um, And the mask that he wears, this Frankenstein mask over him, 
uh, to hide his sort of deformities. And when he takes it off, he's even more he's even more frightening than the actual Frankenstein mask. Um, it's you know it it does follow the very very linear sort of slasher kind of structure. The you know the kids. Uh, sneak in and stay hide themselves in the funhouse um and then you get the the frankenstein character i'm gonna call him frankenstein because obviously he's, he wears the frankenstein mask in this um he um is you know they then witness him uh murdering uh another one of the um the, the carnival uh sort of workers there for after a um um, a disappointing sexual encounter that he paid money for, and then the 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 young people become the hunted within this. Um, this is a film that was made um, in in really difficult circumstances. Um, the elements in this are darkly comic. Um, it's quite gross at times. Um, particularly the 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 makeup effects created by Rick Baker, um, and he talks about um Rick Baker in the making of this at one point. He says about describing the character as almost like a minotaur esque, uh, type sort of creature, and and it, and it is. It's it's a really 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 good makeup effect. It's you know it's a it's a great example of prosthetics in the in that wonderful eighties way. Um, I really enjoyed this film. I think it's got some good performances in it. Is it perfect? No. But again, it's Tobe Hooper doing what he does best. And I really, really have a fond spot for this film. Frightened the shit out of me when I saw it when I was about 11 or 12. So I would go and check it out. Um, I think it's available on Amazon Prime. I think it's available on Shudder as well. Um, And I know there's a couple of DVDs of it knocking around at a reasonable price. Uh, where would I score this? Again, I come in on this about a 7.5 out of 10. So, ladies and gentlemen, our time once again draws to an end. Uh, I hope you're all safe out there. I hope you're all still washing your hands. I know we're going to be uh, in lockdown, I suppose, for another three weeks or so. So during this time, I'm going to continue to try and make sure that I'm getting enough content out there to try and keep you all entertained. I hope you're enjoying um what we're putting out. I've got some great episodes lined up and some fantastic guests. So thank you so much for all your love and your support on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget, you can follow us there at The Undead Wookiee. Um, so once again, thank you guys. I really genuinely appreciate it. Stay safe. Keep washing your hands. Stay in unless you absolutely have to. Um, so that's all that's left for me to say. In the immortal words, account duckula. Good night out there, whatever you are.